0: people have this idea that history repeats itself. Anybody with a basic knowledge of history loves to talk about the way it was when this happened or what led up to a certain war or what caused this atrocity and search back through history and look at uh, things that were kind of the same, like, oh, we're getting close to the, we're going to fall just like Rome fell. Now, this is an okay concept. I mean, there's a lot to learn from history. But history, some say, doesn't repeat itself, but it sometimes it rhymes. Or I've heard the other analogy is, history sometimes echoes. You know, it's probably a good idea to pay attention to this, because I let me give an example of something. People in this day and age, especially younger people, are shouting fascist and Nazi at one another, and... I think both sides are thinking about, you know, that loud guy back in the early 20th century with the snap uniform, the Charlie Chaplin mustache and his hatred of Jews, that guy, but nobody, none of these people shouting Nazi at one another, fascist at one another have given an ounce of thought as to what the philosophy of Nazism or the the ideology of Nazism or fascism was really about. I mean, if they thought seriously about it, they might ask themselves, what would Nazism look like today if you change the uniforms and the cinematography and the, you know, just the that it wasn't in the olden days? Is Nazism just about hating Jews? Is Nazism even just about hating? This is why the government school system is formulated the way it is and, and the way it's failed everybody so bad. Because they, they, they're telling the kids what to think, and not how to think. Evil and hatred can take on many forms. But some forms are more efficient path to evil and hatred. This is where we find a lot of the isms, the fascism, the communism, the Nazism, etc, etc, etc. These are very efficient forms of evil. It's almost like they were designed to kill the maximum amount of people. If you go back in the 20th century and you check the body count of—I mean, I'm talking about people directly killed by the government—you find all the isms there. Now you could say, "Well, capitalism kills people." Yeah, indirectly, of course it does. The most efficient well, ones I'm thinking about are the ones that you know line people up and shoot them, or bury them in holes, and that type of thing. So, could it be that simple? I mean, you look at it from a historical viewpoint, could it be that simple? That these are not just a form of political ideology, but maybe a systematic plan from an outside power to butcher humanity? Hmm, that's food for thought, isn't it? All these good ideas that people come up with Oh, well, let's do this system. This will work the best for everybody here. Let's do this system. This will make everybody equal. And it ends up with holes filled with bodies, mass graves, gas chambers, firing squads. Hmm. Why would some political program that requires so much work, some ideology that, you know, requires a lot of learning and how could it end up just being a method to exterminate people? Huh? Let's think about this for a minute. Maybe it's because evil has a persona. Maybe it's because evil has a voice. Maybe it's because there's a planner behind evil. The destroyer exists and he has your number. He knows how you tick. You know, I was listening to a podcast a while back and, and they went on and on and on about the evil of artificial intelligence and how big tech was compiling reams of information and they were going to put artificial intelligence on it and, and they're building dossiers on every single human being. Every click you make, every thing you buy, every every thing about you is being documented. They have a dossier on you. Ooh, I'm here to tell you that there's a deeper intelligence a way more evil one a way more ancient one that has been compiling a dossier on every single human being since creation and he thinks he's got all our numbers anyway I'm going to throw a little more wood on the fire here and not that I believe that fire keeps the devil away but because the light and the heat are comforting the world has gone crazy The world gets darker. But there is a comfort in a fire, like there is comfort in the truth. Evil is lost, righteousness wins in the end. You just have to read the end of the book. Men plan, God laughs. Let's reflect on that, here, around the fire of the enemy patrol. You have found the frequency of the enemy patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over Welcome, welcome, welcome to the fire of the enemy patrol, where folks who can't believe this is happening, find themselves. Let me introduce myself. I am the Anomic Ranger. Um, I bill myself as a reality scout. Uh, The reason I do that is because I can't tell you what to do. Um... Actually, nobody can tell you what to do. You are the general in your own campaign. But what I like to do is be your reality scout. I look at things, I research things, I look things over, stroke my beard a little bit, and I say, okay, I think this is the way this is, or this is the way that is. Now, you can either use these reports that I give very intermittently, Uh, you can use them in the campaign of your life. You're the general you make the decisions so you can use them or don't if you want to know more you can subscribe so you don't miss out on one of these reports from the enemy patrol you can take a look at my website I uh, just added a a writing section I put another writing section in there called um, thoughts left behind because well I just wasn't doing much writing anymore because it was I don't know it just took a lot of time and I just never seemed to commit to it I got into this podcasting I enjoy doing it and uh, it takes me a little less time. I just have to do up some notes and I basically I do the notes. I pin them up in front of me on on uh, in front of my uh, uh, place here where I where I record and um, so I don't get lost, which I'm way off notes now. That's why I'm going um um um, but anyway, uh, I go off the cuff quite a bit. I chase a lot of rabbit trails. but anyway, I give these out and I enjoy it. And I just pray that if there's somebody out there that needs to hear these words, that you will come across me. And if you enjoy it, then like I said, you can, you can uh, go take a look at my website and I've got a little bit, uh, some writing there. That's going to be a little shorter, maybe a few more pictures and things like that, just so I can keep letting you know that I'm still here. And if I have a thought, I can quickly put it down and, put it in there, so that's the first thing you'll see when you get to my website, is uh, Thoughts Left Behind, and I kind of, uh, I build it after a a blog that I used to have called Papers Under a Rock, when I first started writing, I kind of did that just so I could practice writing and put stuff down, so you could always go have a look at that too, see some of my earlier writing, I just went all over the place, I didn't really have a theme or anything, I just, whatever I felt like writing, I wrote. Just to see what I enjoyed, kind of writing I enjoyed. So anyway, that's that's that there. But anyway, if you uh, want to send me an email, you can do so through the contact portion on my website. Um, you can probably notice on there now. I changed the. Um, uh, comment You used to have to register in order to comment. Now I just open up comments and I moderate them. So if you put a comment and your comment doesn't appear for a day or two, don't worry about it. It just means that I haven't gotten around to moderating my comments because oh my goodness, the spam you get when you open that up unbelievable. Anyway, so uh, yeah, if you want to do that, if you uh, want to send me an email, it just comes direct to me, nothing to do with the website. Um, I have an email address I keep just just for doing this, and it's Animapetrol HQ at yahoo.com. That's anime with A-N-O-M-I-E. P-A-T-R-O-L, Animapetrol, HQ. All one word at Yahoo.com. And if you like what I write or what I podcast, well, wherever you listen to the podcast, give me a five-star rating or whatever and subscribe and comment. But most importantly, share with somebody. If you find this useful, I'm sure the people in your circle or someone that you know could also want to listen to it. And that's how I would like to, this to spread. I would like this to spread word of mouth. So yeah, share with a friend, tell somebody about it. Anyway, I break these down fairly basic. Um, I try and get things done cut down to the quick right away and so I just break my talks down into how where and what how did we get here where are we going and what am I supposed to do about it and wow lately here things have been moving the last two years and the last two months just stuff just keeps happening and happening and happening and you know I used to do that more uh, especially in my writing is trying you know especially when COVID first started i Wrote a few articles about it, but it seems like things are moving ahead so fast now you can't even keep up anymore. So I'd rather be a scout and just ride on ahead of all this stuff and try and show people where it's coming from and what this is about and what's happening in this world. And I started out in my little intro talking about Satan, the devil, and how he is the one behind all the isms and all the other problems. And he hates people and he wants people dead. He wants every single part of creation that God made, he wants it destroyed. That's what you got to remember. And it's so hard for us to wrap our head around it because we're so used to the natural world. We're so used to just doing our thing, going about our day. But they say the greatest trick that Satan ever pulled on mankind was to convince us that he didn't exist I'm not sure who said that. But I would like to step that up a little bit, just especially for these latter years, the way things have went. I would say old Slewfoot there, old Nick, whatever you want to call him, I would say his an even better trick than that was he's now convinced people that evil itself doesn't exist. And I think that's why you see like, the Nazis caricatured so much because they would like to say, unless you have that thing on your sleeve and a, and a a, a belt with a, with a strap over your shoulder and a, and, a, and a mustache and hate Jews, there is no other, nothing else is evil. That, that's the only evil. It's funny how communism gets a pass. And even though I think communism actually killed more people, if you bring in the Holodomor and from uh, the Ukraine and in that area, what, what Stalin did, like he killed actually more, he starved them to death. He didn't put them in gas chambers. But somehow it's it, it gets caricatured. And and other than that, people don't see any evil. It's like if, if it's if it doesn't look like Hitler, it's not evil. That seems to be the way things go. They they don't want everybody else gets a pass, except Hitler. Not that I don't think Hitler wasn't evil, he was, but it's like Anything that's not Hitler gets a pass somehow. It doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Osama bin Laden who blows up a school bus full of children or you're Stalin trying to bring about the glorious new Soviet man. They all get passes somehow. Even Pol Pot doesn't get talked about much. and He was a, a nasty guy. But yes, other than that, there is no evil in the world and people are just blind to it. Oh, there's a few people, that, especially those that have come back from combat and, and places like that. And, and people, there's people in the world that are shattered when they run headlong into evil, especially if they're not ready for it. And uh, the majority of things, good and evil, they say, these these new social engineers and these these really smart people and really smart universities, they say good and evil are just social constructions. That's all they are. They're just, there's things that the society has just made up and they've made one thing good and one thing evil and we should just see the good in everything. Decide that everything is good. But unfortunately, uh, with those idiots, I should say fortunately, there's enough smart men around that know that that's, that's not only wrong, it's stupid to even think that way. I mean, he, he, Andrew Solzhenitsyn, the Bible, and lots of different places you can find that Really, in the end, when you look at it, and that's, I mean, that's a pretty wide range. Andrew Solzhenitsyn, who was going through um, communism, lived through that, and the Bible are two pretty widely disparaging books, and there's probably many more in between. I just gave those two, because one's newer, and the other one's really old. But they say that the line that divides good and evil, both agree, it cuts through the heart of every single human being. In other words, you can't look, over there is evil, or over there is evil, or... Oh, I'm going to go this way because this way is perfectly good. No, good and evil follows with you wherever you go because it's in your own heart. You know, there was a more spiritual time in the West when we knew this. We knew that evil had to be vanquished, um, even the evil within us, um, and it needed to be fought. And we had a pretty basic understanding of what evil was. I mean, kids were taught that in school and they were taught even more in the churches. You know, things like gossip and backbiting and, and meanness and everything was called out as evil. Now we don't call out things based on that. We call it out based on skin color or we call it out based on, on culture or we call it out based on, on, oh, I, I won't go into it. You can listen to some of my past episodes. I go into it more. I, I got to keep moving here. I got to stay away from rabbit trails here at the beginning because we have a lot of ground to cover. Anyway, you get my point. We used to cut things apart uh, on good and evil, and now we cut things apart on all these other stupid things like skin color and age and all this kind of stuff. We can't even recognize evil. And the reason we can't recognize evil is because we no longer see anything as good. And the reason that we don't see anything good is because we've forgotten God. Now, I put an interesting title on this podcast. I I know I don't say the titles up front, but this one I want to say because it fits into what I'm talking about. I titled this one, They Won't Load Undesirable People onto Cattle Cars. That's ridiculous. It'll be climate-controlled buses this time, and they'll have cookies. So, how did we get here? I said that in the title because it sounded catchy that they won't load the undesirable people onto cattle cars, you know, like they did to the Jews in world war two. And everybody always looked at that and they just shook their head and they go, why did those people get on those cars? I mean, there's like two guards and 300 people. If they just would have rushed those guards, you know, they could have got, they wouldn't have had to get on those cars. It's because they were fooled already. They were already told they were going to a special place where, they would be all by themselves and nobody would pick on them because they're Jews and they showed them pictures of, you know, cute little cottages and gardens and and most of them would rather believe that than... Now, when they're loading you, stuffing you into cattle cars, they must have kind of had an idea, but normalcy bias would not allow them to believe it. They couldn't believe that the government would do that to them to treat them like worse than animals. They couldn't get it. They couldn't accept it. It just, it got partway into their head, the idea. And instead of bolting and running or attacking the guards, it's just like, well, I'll just do what everybody else is doing. And they just, they were loaded like sheep onto cattle cars. That's why I gave that, you know, because people always talk about that. Well, I won't get on the cattle car. I won't get on the, I'm not going to get on the cattle car. Well, it won't be cattle cars next time. It'll be climate-controlled buses. And they'll have cookies, and they'll say, oh, it'll be nice. In actuality, if you really want to know, I don't think they're going to take anybody into any camps. I mean, they already got so many people to take a needle. They don't need to gas people. They just have to keep giving them needles lots, and they can just slowly, ah, some will be salt water, but They'll put enough stuff in there that eventually they'll weed out all the undesirables, which to the people that are doing it, the undesirables are pretty much everybody, but them. I mean, they even had it in the Georgia Guidestones. They want to get the the planet down to what 500 million people. That's a lot of people you got to kill. Anyway, I digress. Like I said, I, I said, I get down rabbit trails. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? Well, I'm going to talk about something that one of the things that got us to this point, and I've kind of alluded to this in the past, but I just, I had this idea in my head. I just want to throw it out to you. I want to talk about something that I've called the authority smix, S-M-I-X. I've just, I made it up. It's a combination of the words mix and smear. So think of like uh, mixing up whatever kind of smeary stuff and then smearing it all over walls or something. It's SMICs. And it's very, very effective in today's world. Um, people are brainwashed into listening to all experts. It doesn't matter. Put him in a lab coat, put him in a suit, put him in front of a camera, make sure his hair looks good, make sure he says the right things, put him on television, people will listen to him. Um, especially if everybody says he has authority. And I think of like Anthony Fauci, somebody like that. He just, he just gets away with it. Uh, even worse, Bill Gates. He, he never even finished university. He's just a rich kid that got some ideas for some code and a lot of people say he stole it. And then suddenly he's an expert on what we should be needling into our children. Like he, they put him on television saying, oh, this is what the world's got to do here and this is what the world's got to do there. What about Klaus Schwab? What is he except a rich butthead? who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and thinks he's better than everybody else. I could go on and on and on, all these people, including Fauci. Oh, Fauci got through university, but I heard one time that if you actually look back in his past, uh, he was very much involved in when the whole AIDS thing broke out and he killed a lot of people there. I've heard he's sent stuff over to Africa that doesn't go over well. So what, what is it? Well, it's because they have the right SMICs. They have the right blending of authority and media. And nobody differentiates the degrees of jurisdiction that these people should have. They just put out this blended message as proof of their authority. Let me give you an example. Professor Blowhard in the university. Blah, 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 blah. He comes out with something and he writes it down. And he publishes a paper on it. And it fits the narrative of a bunch of feckless politicians. Okay? It fits their narrative. This is what we want to put on the people. This is, this is what the people need to hear. Because if we can get the people to believe this. Okay, so then they take Professor Blowhard's words. And the feckless politicians, they quote it. It's like, oh, Professor Blowhard said this. And then the whore media just repeats it over and over and over. And not just one media. You can change the channels. Click, 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 click. Oh, it doesn't click anymore. Never mind. You just push a button now. It used to go click, click, click when you're changing channels. Every channel, doesn't matter which one you go to, they're saying the same dang thing. And there's not only one professor blowhard. Now somebody else sees that and they say, hey, we should study this more. And then the money people, the ones that are paying off the first professor professor blowhard and the one that's paying off the feckless politicians and the one that owns the whore media Well, they throw money at another professor blowhard and he does another study and pretty soon that's all people see. They just look at it and it's like the smix just comes through. And it's like pretty soon the people just go, well, I guess it must be true. Everybody's saying it. It becomes the science. A good example of this that just happened in the last two years is in the beginning. Do you remember when when the whole... Pandemic was going on, and and uh, and uh, people started. You know, there was a few doctors that said, "Hey, you know that uh, in hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, these actually work pretty good." We're having and vitamin D. These we've been getting good success. People that are you know sick with this, we give them some, and and suddenly the SMICs hit the fan. I mean, the FDA, the the CDC, uh, government bureaucrats, the whole media they called it horse paste they they tried to to ruin joe rogan because he took ivermectin oh he's taking horse paste well what was it a year later now they're coming out and saying oh i guess ivermectin works nobody's apologizing nobody's losing their job that was smix they just they needed that smix in there because they had to keep the, the emergency um, status on the jab. Because if there was an effective, like some other treatment, they can't have it on emergency. That means the government doesn't pay for the shots. It means that their butt isn't covered if there's something wrong with it. I think, I think that's how it works. It was something like that. And now that it's pretty much all died down well, now they can say, oh yeah, I guess works. Because they got studies out of, because they started using it in places like India and in South America, and it works. And the smix is everywhere now, on everything. I would say probably 75% of our popular belief system is SMICS. It's SMICS science. It's all SMICS. The political stuff, the scientific stuff, popular culture. It's all these guys at the top just, just put this, all this stuff in a bowl and they stir it around and they just, they throw it at the right people and the, everybody throws it back down at the, at the common people and says, this is it. I'll give you an example of another one. And this one, oh, this one will raise hackles all over because it's an old smix. This one has been around since the, well, it's been around a long time, but it wasn't used as a smix until probably the late 50s, early 60s. And that's evolution, the theory of evolution, which nobody will accept as a theory anymore. Now it's just, oh, that's the science. I I don't want to get into any particular proof, no proof argument. I mean there's so much invo- emotion involved in this. It's, you know, it's so divided now. It's like, if you believe in evolution, then you're science. And if you don't believe in evolution, then you're religion. And they've got all these rigid lines drawn. And, and it's like, if you don't believe all of evolution, then, then you're getting over in the religious camp. And if you're religious and you say, well, there is some adaptation. Well, then the religious people are on you. Oh, yeah, he's promoting evolution. It's, it's It was used to destroy the whole concept that, you know what, maybe evolution is kind of a big bowl of SMICs. Oh, We could look at another one, you know, it's, it's like this mix of climate change. I mean, and the clot shot, the whole thing. It's all SMICs. I mean, climate change started out as first global cooling. Everybody forgets about that going into the next ice age oh we've got too much pollution in the air it's blocking the sun and it's cooling the climate no if we ever have a nuclear war that'll be it the whole planet will freeze up like a giant snowball and then by golly it quit cooling and it started warming up I remember like it, it, we had warm, warm winters and, and the snow would melt in January, no snow or wouldn't snow until Christmas time. And in this part of the world, trust me, I'm a long ways north when it doesn't snow until Christmas time. That's odd. So then they had to change and they started scratching their heads and they're going, Oh, CO two, it warms up to oh there then then it was global warming, global warming, global warming. Polar ice caps are gonna melt. They made movies and shows and I mean Al Gore, that's how that's how he got his whole thing was global warming. And then it started cooling off again. Dang it. So, but they didn't even stop. They, they just changed in this mix. They just added another ingredient and they changed the name. They called it climate change. Now it doesn't matter what it does. It can snow or it can get hot. or Every time there's a tornado, they can just say climate change, climate change, climate change. And everybody just starts repeating it. Climate change, climate change, climate change. And it's, it's called weather. And it fluctuates. It's fluctuated. You can go back in ancient writings from the time that they were sailing ships. You can go back and read history. They used to they used to go ice skating on the Thames River in London. It was cold. And then there's other stuff. You can go back to the 1500s and in and, and the or even earlier. You you can go back to the Vikings when they first landed on Greenland. They called it Greenland for a reason. Now you'd be lucky to find green in Greenland. At least not enough part of the year that you would want to set up an agricultural. Um, colony there the vikings did at one point so they must have figured they could grow something there so it was obviously a lot warmer anyway i digress you get the point getting back to you know uh the smicks and, and and these accepted lines of division on on evolution i mean there's some poor soul out there laboring away in a university getting his doctorate in astacology where he's proving the evolutionary link between crawfish and humans and I'm, I'm making a bit of a joke out of it, but it is a joke because we lost sight somewhere. That's what evolution did. Like we have a creator and you've got to get used to that idea already. The mix of evolution is, <laughs> the bottom line is people are nothing. People are going nowhere. So do what you want to do because we're all just Dust. I mean, that's to me, that's too close to the whole satanic church admonition of do what thou wilt. I mean, that got us Gen X generation into a lot of trouble. I mean, we didn't care about anything. All we did is fight for our right to party. Have a good time because nothing else matters. That's not a good long-term plan for the continuation of society at all. Yet science has come so far since then Even since those days it Turns out there is a point It turns out that the, the physicists have been They never quit grinding their numbers It didn't matter what evolution said Oh they ground the numbers on evolution And they found odds so astronomical That, that everything would come from nothing That they just threw up their hands and said You biologists and monkey bone people You, you go knock yourselves out Because your numbers don't add up so the physicists kept looking at things, and they kept looking at the fine tuning in the universe, and they noticed things like in the laws of things like speed of light and gravity, and and uh, oh molecular weights, and it, it, like you just get a couple numbers out, and and the, and the universe can't even exist. I mean, you just change gravitational pull a little bit, and you either get this giant ball of mass, or or. Everything spreads out so much that it can never collect. Just just change the numbers a little bit. It's it's, it's like a, a tuning a radio. You know, you, if you just off, well, probably you don't because I'm see, I'm old school. I used to like at the at the beginning in my introduction in here, I have that on the radio. You used to do that. You had a knob and you'd have to tune it in. Just a little bit out and all you get is static and then you get it tuned. And then if you just touch it, just get it just right, it would come in clear. Well, that's the way the universe is, but it has like 10,000 of those knobs that everything has to be just right. So everybody's scratching their heads. And then, of course, the guys with the big brains and the big calculators, they calculate it all out and they say, what is the chance that all that would be tuned just right without somebody actually Tuning in, so that sends the anti-god folks. They scurrying around. They're going like, "Well, there's got to be some other reason. It can't be a, It can't be intelligent design. It just can't be some intelligent being that figured out the whole universe." That, that, that they hate that. So they dreamt up the multiverse. That's right. It just happens that we're just lucky enough to be in this universe and where everything is fine-tuned, but there's a multi-zillion, kazillion, kajillion other universes out there where it wasn't right. <sighs> the problem with their idea is, if that's true, then that, and they did that to get rid of God, well, you also then get rid of science. Because science only works then in this universe because all the other universes might have completely different scientific laws. So what's the point of science? Science dies in the multiverse. I get tired of the monkey bone people. Give it a rest. God created this. Get used to that idea already because we got bigger fish to fry. Like, we have a predator upper class. I, I... you know, everybody calls them elites, elites, elites. I think we got to change that somehow. I seen somebody wrote the other day they call them deletes. So the deletes, we have a delete class who need to be deleted. And they think they have the authority. And they're not making any bones about it. I mean, somebody like Klaus Schwab can get up and say the world should be this way and you shall eat the bugs and you will be happy. And you have no free will. I mean, that I was talking earlier about Hitler. They're, they're just, maybe that's Hitler reincarnated. No, no, I would say, no, he wants the whole world. Hitler just wanted the, his, his special race. This guy wants the whole world. And he wants everybody in authority. He wants to be in authority to everybody. And he wants to kill and enslave. And he obviously doesn't believe in God. So on whose authority does he get to do that? Why does he get to do that? So they're working hard. They have a plan and they're working their plan just as hard as they can. A lot of people say it's been sped up because they're worried people are waking up everywhere. And I think they are. And I hope your reality scout can help you wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And ask yourself, so, where are we going? I talk about these deletes, and I've already been saying their names: Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, No, Noah, Noah Harare, etc., etc., etc. They're not even hiding themselves anymore. They're they're out in the open now. They're they're saying who they are. Now, I think there's a class behind them. Even I think they're nondescript bankers. They're the money people in the world, and they just figure because they own most of it that they should be able to run it, and they don't like people like you. They don't like you little ant people eating their food and and living on their planet and, and breathing their air and drinking their water and making a mess everywhere. Oh, you're, oh. They're the scum at the top of the septic tank. They floated up there. These people are psychopaths. And somehow they got the keys to power. I think it's just money. I think that's all it is. Although it seems like once you get money, it seems like everybody wants to bow and scrape and give you more, give you other powers. I mean, otherwise, why would Bill Gates be where he is? I mean, he's certainly no rock star. He gets out and and, and shuffles around in his sweater and his glasses and looks like you could, you know, kill him with a feather. And he, he seems to be, he doesn't, he doesn't spook people. I, although, I don't know, Klaus Schwab seems to get away with it and he looks like a Bond villain. But Bill Gates gets up there and shuffles and snuffles around and and, and, and grins when he talks about, oh, the next disease is going to get more people. I mean, he's creepy. He's gross. But the more you learn about these people at the top... And you look at their parties, and you, and you look at, I mean, even look at the television, you even look at the, um, oh, like this last award show or something, and they, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're psychopaths and they're evil, and their belief system, strangely enough, revolves around the old gods Moloch, Baal, Artemis, whatever. All these old gods now i don't know if they well they use the words moloch they all uh you just look at that whatever name is does spirit cooking for all the rich people and the gross things that they do you know like bake cakes like human body so you can slice into a human body you can say oh that's just rich people they're just being you know they're just being weird because they're bored no no they're quite serious about it actually if you dig into it and look into it, they're very serious about it. And I went to Sunday school. Moloch, Beal, they, they, they're very old gods. they are And what they are, and I think this is what these rich people, and I think they're maybe actually, they are in touch with these, I'll call them trans-dimensional beings, okay? They are from a different plane. And you can call them fallen angels or you can call them, ancient gods or whatever you want to call them. And I think they believe that that uh, if they cozy up to these transcendent, trans-dimensional beings, that somehow they'll they'll be kings on the earth when these beings tell them we're going to come and take over. Oh, well, they might. They might do it. I mean, that might be what the very last step is, is to bring in these trans-dimensional beings. <clears throat> they'll call them... Aliens from planet Zadar who originally seeded the earth with human-like genetics that mixed with the monkey genetics and blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. It's time everybody went back to Sunday school and learned who these beings are and learn who people really are. Learn who you really are. The plan, according to these evil people, is to contain us, us little people, keep humanity in a jar. And that's what they're telling these rich people. You guys are the demigods. We'll be the gods. You can be the demigods. And these little people can be your little slaves. And you, if you need a kidney, you can just go chop one out and whatever. I'm kind of making that up as I go along. But you get the point. It's like they own you. That's their belief. They own you. When Bill Gates is talking into the television and he's looking, he's looking into his eyes. He's talking to the masses. And as far as he's concerned, he owns you like a cow. Do you not see this? God gave the world to humanity in the beginning as a the place to live and a place to thrive. It's full of riches. If we didn't have these people, these rich people, throwing monkey wrenches into things, <clears throat> we could bury this world in energy and food. There's a tons, enough stories out there and I always believe when there's enough smoke, there's probably fire, that there's been people that have come up with ideas for free energy that uses things like the gravity or or um, the energy from the... Oh, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, vibrational energy. There's all kinds of different theories that um, supposedly Tesla come up with a lot of it. But anytime somebody comes up with this, hey, look, I built this thing. I just, I built it out of this material, that material, and wound this around it over here... And when I put this contact in this contact, it's, it's actually drawing energy from the upper atmosphere. And it's using energy from the upper atmosphere, and it's meshing with energy from the, the Earth's gravitational pull or magnetic whatever, and it runs. And I can run a, I can run a regular generator with it and, and make 110 volts. Costs nothing, runs forever. In fact, I think we can figure out how to get 110 volts directly out of it don't even have to run another generator and maybe they'll even say you don't need 110 volts you just need this and it'll run a light or it'll run a motor or whatever and that person disappears or he's accidentally jumps out of a 34 story building or he gets in a weird boating accident or something there's lots of stories about that you can call it conspiracy theory but i don't know there's so many of them it makes you wonder after a while and as far as food goes, I mean, if they just took some restrictions off of people, you can grow food almost anywhere. You can raise animals almost anywhere. We don't, people don't need to starve in this world. Any starvation is political in origin. If you just let people go and you let them farm, oh, sure, you might have one area that has a drought or something. And um, then that means that people that aren't in a drought area just, need to sell food or share food or whatever and like there doesn't need to be any starvation on this planet the problem is is the smix has been smeared and we believe that everything's in short supply and that makes us that makes us want to control it makes us want to want to um believe that things are running out it gives us a scarcity mindset But it's been also proven that if people are rich enough, and I say rich not just in money, but you're rich like you feel secure in wealth, you don't have as many kids. And this is provable. This was already started on the earth. It's like, think we were rich enough that people even in poor countries, even in places like India and Africa and stuff, once they reached a certain level of living, they didn't have 50 kids. They only had two. And that's all it takes. Two parents have two kids you, I think it's like, actually it's like 2.3 because some kids die or whatever, but, and some people die young. So it's like 2.3. If everybody has 2.3 kids, you, you quit growing. You keep your, your, um, demographics the same. If you start having less than that, your demographics begin to collapse. And actually, if you look at the Western world, our demographics were actually starting to collapse. So this whole thing that the world is too crowded is, is, uh, is a lie we'd reach a certain point probably like about eight and a half billion or nine billion or something and that'd be it that's as many as then all we'd have to do is learn how to have that many people and feed that many people and we could all get along marvelously i know it's a bit of a dream the problem is satan hates humanity the lower realms has um they've had generations and generations of humans to study on Humans have been made war on, they've been pitted against one another, they've been rounded up and slaughtered, been given diseases, etc., etc., etc. Somehow, humanity, through the love and grace of God, has kept finding health and love and, and, and wealth in, in the world that God gave us. The push now, however, is anti human. That's the smix that's out there now. Humans are a plague, humans are a disease. And the family. The nuclear family, oh, that's out. That is just, that's oppressive and bad and, and it's hard on children supposedly and, and it's hard on women and, and, and men are terrible. And I mean, we're being taught to hate ourselves and we're being taught to hate everything that makes us strong. Hate religion, hate nuclear families, hate abundance. We've been taught to hate what makes us strong. I mean, and the hate, while it takes on everything. It takes on the sex thing, the skin color thing, the age thing, the whatever. Hate yourself because you're either a victim or a suppressor. Hate the body you were born with. Hate the fact that you need food and fuel to survive. Hate your culture. Hate your God. Where you could be learning gratefulness and love in this life that you've been given, and you rebel against it. When you could be becoming a larger person, growing in wisdom, we're instead taught to grow inward and be bitter. There's going to come a reckoning to all this. The human spirit can only take so much. It's like a steam boiler; if the pressure has no outlet, eventually it explodes. The danger in this is, and I worry about what what this this group, these these these. Um, societal engineers these cultural engineers i I worry that they're going to point this boiler ready to explode in a certain direction and set it off or maybe not maybe the plan is just self-destruction the fallen ones enjoy watching society tear itself apart in none of these scenarios does any good come out of it there's only one scenario that's good and it's a total long shot And that scenario entails all the little people, the commoners, being of one mind, having one goal. And suddenly deciding to defy all these experts and thought leaders and policy makers and say, no, you you guys are so out to lunch. People of all ages and backgrounds would have to disregard all the generational programming we've been given over the years and in school and from the smicks on television and the outright brainwashing and agree on a common goal. That common goal would have to be something simple. Like, how about freedom? How about everybody just gets left alone? The freedom to speak, the freedom to think, the freedom to worship, the freedom to make decisions for their own families. How about that? These people would have to pursue this goal regardless of personal gain. Regardless of of even personal safety. Each individual would have to act both individually and in cooperation with others. Each group of individuals would have to work for a common code of conduct. Each would have to be both personally responsible and would have to be able to look out for their neighbors, maybe. Humility and bravery would have to rule all their actions. They would have to have a shared morality and a belief that they, a belief in one thing they we would have to give them wisdom. Does this sound impossible? It shouldn't. It's where the Western Christian idea came from. It's an old path. It's not that everyone in the olden days were super religious Christians, but it's that the majority of people accepted the tenets of Christianity. Christianity the moral framework for society based on that. And I'm not just talking about the Ten Commandments, don't do this, don't do that, don't do something else, although those, those are kind of good. Thou shalt not steal, maybe, is a good one. Thou shalt not commit murder is another good one. Even the not committing adultery is probably a good idea. They're pretty basic. But how about the ideas of, of mercy and personal responsibility? And that man is made in the image of God, and women are made in the image of God. Talk about equality. No society had that before Christianity came along. You look at the Roman society, the Greek society, they never, women were always lower class. Oh, they had power sometimes, but not as important as men, not made in the image of God important. We're not just talking things in the rule book sense either here. We're also talking about the culture, art, the culture. Writing, painting, poetry. You could add movies and memes into that. Culture is always a reflection of the soul of society. Crappy and evil culture pulls society down. Art and culture needs to be transcended and push society upward. this sound impossible? It's not. But it'll take a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice which leads us now to the hard part. What am I supposed to do? Well, I'm running long today. I, I just looked at the time and I went, oh, well. I got to get through this now because what am I supposed to do is important. It's the hardest one to do. And I usually end up preaching a little. I don't know. Some of you out there are saying, well, you've been preaching for 20 minutes already. That's uh, okay. Anyway, as always, this one is difficult. What am I supposed to do? It's the one thing that a lot of guys want. You know, I've read a lot over the years. I started long before the internet reading about, you know, different um, ideas about society and different ideas about culture and yes I read a lot of conspiracy theories and and it's everybody's the same it's like the, you can go and find reams and reams and reams but the one thing I always notice is like okay what should I do about it and they always have big ideas like well we have to rise up well you're going to rise up by yourself I mean I guess you could but you won't last long I am I want to give people things that they can do where they live and where they're at. It might come down to rising up by yourself. I'm not writing that off. I mean, if you have a line in the sand and say, I'm not getting on the bus, even if they have cookies, well, then you've risen up. I mean, if, if they're going to do that to you, if they don't nail you now, they'll nail you later. So you may as well get nailed on your own terms, I guess. I'm going to divide this up into three parts. Passive change, active change, and personal change. And yes, we're going to run over the hour on this one, but I don't care. This needs to get said. All of these changes have something in common. They're all about building an alternative and a parallel societal system for everything. And I'm even talking about the last one, the personal change in the way you think it has to run outside of this society that has gone so sick it has to run parallel to it because you can't leave the planet unless somebody has a spaceship that i don't know about so everything i'm talking entertainment i'm talking banking i'm talking healthcare i'm talking food employment schooling etc 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 it all needs to be revamped it all needs to be rethought in everything that you do here and I say that and I'm sure there's people out there that are, you know, that have their hand over their forehead going, Oh good lord, that sounds impossible. Like, you just keep it in mind. Don't stress about it. That's what everybody does. Well it's too hard. I'm not even gonna start because I'll just fail anyway. I can't provide all that stuff for myself. Well, no, you can't, but you you could start, you could do a little bit here, a little bit there, start getting to know other people. Just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. Don't let normalcy bias destroy your life. Don't say, well, I got to go here. I got to do this because that's what everybody else is doing. That's what you got to get out of your head. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, start again here. Don't try and do it all yourself. Um, start simple, work your way up. Um, find other people of like mind that you can cooperate with in all though think local, local, local as close to local as you can it's great to know people on the internet it's great to, you know buck one another up and everything but if, if the guy that is your best buddy on the computer lives 400 miles, 500 miles away from you well, it's great to be able to talk to him and everything but you can't really work together that means you gotta keep looking as local as you can Keep that in mind. So with all these things in mind, don't stress. Think local. Start simple. Work your way up. Think alternative and parallel to what society has. Okay. I'll do the first one. Number one, passive change. Okay. This one's fairly easy. Anybody can do this one. Passive change is mostly about where you put your energy. And I'm talking about, when I say your energy, I'm talking about your money and your time. Because money is just, you go work a job, you put time in, they give you money. That money you can put in the bank or stuff in your mattress or whatever. And when there's something that needs doing that you can't do, you can take the money out and find somebody that will do it for the money. So energy. Think of it as energy. Money and time. Stop giving your money and your attention to the giant corporations that are anti-human. I mean, some of them are outright demonic. Here's a good example Disney. Avoid Disney like the plague. Don't give them another thin dime of your money. Don't even give them any attention. Don't even, even in a, if you see a Mickey Mouse cup in a secondhand shop, don't buy it for your kid. Just avoid it like the plague because it has gone demonic. It used to be a and I, I'm, I really have a hard time saying this, because I love Disney. I, I went to Disneyland as a kid, which when you live in Northern Canada, going to Disneyland is a big deal. And I loved it so much, and I had so much fun that uh, we had a, uh, one of my wife and I went on a honeymoon, we had a, a, a layover in Los Angeles, and I had to take her to Disneyland. That's how much I loved it. But it's no longer the family fun company that, that I remember from my childhood. It's gone. A demon took it over, stripped everything good out of the inside. And now where is it like the skin of a Disney? It's like Mickey Mouse is possessed. They've given over to evil. Not win the thin dime should be your motto when it comes to them. And there's lots of other companies like that too. And Even look at something like professional sports. They, they've sold you out. Just quick cold turkey. Find alternatives to that there's there's got to be other other fun things that you can find to do. I mean, if you really like sports, go get involved in local sports. Go support your high school team, like anything, so that you're not giving your money to these giant multinational companies that are pumping money into figure out ways to kill you. Um go to local theaters. Find alternative screen entertainments that are popping up all over now. Even on television, you can even, now with the internet, you know, you can find these different companies that keep popping up. Daily Wire is one that comes to mind. I mean, I mean, they're not perfect. I'm not saying that they're all a bunch of angels or anything, but they're trying to provide entertainment without being just totally corrupt and evil. See, these are the easy ones if you use your imagination. When you eat out, quit going to the chain restaurants. Don't 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 go to Olive Garden. Go go find some Italian couple that started a restaurant. And go give them. Yeah, you're gonna get burned a few times. That's why people like chain restaurants. Well, at least I always know what I'm gonna get. Are, are you that you have that little adventure left in you that you you don't even want to have have a chance that you'll get cold pasta? You you got it. I mean, it's not like it's not like Olive Garden hasn't served cold pasta. I'm sure in their past, but. People like chain restaurants because, well, I always know what I'm going to get. McDonald's burger is the same here as it is in Louisiana type thing. Quit. Just quit with the chains. And I mean, that's all the chains. You know what I mean? It might cost you a little more than eat out less often. Shun the chains. Go to the little people. Tip well. Pay cash as much as possible. Don't run a credit card and make minimum payments on it starve the beast we got to starve this system this giant system that's taken us over and wants to wants to wipe us out i'm not saying every person at, at visa wants to kill people i'm saying that the money all flows to the top and when it gets to the top it goes to people that do want to kill you it's time to make this system collapse quick now, in all this, you know, supporting independent and local businesses, again, don't stress yourself out. If, 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 if you have to find something for a building project and the only place you can find it is on Amazon or, or Home Depot, some big chain or something, don't, don't sweat it. Don't beat yourself up. As long as you keep trying, you'll average out in the end. But try as much as you can to quit passively supporting the system. All right, let's move on to number two, active change. Now, this one is a little more, well, uh, what do you, would you call it? Active. This is where you have to build something. You have to make the alternative. You don't just find the alternative, you make the alternative. You cooperate with others towards something that's Independent learning to grow your own food, uh, repairing instead of replacing. That's getting harder and harder these days. And they're doing that on purpose. You heard about the whole thing with, uh, I think it was John Deere tractors. They actually took John Deere to court. The farmers did because they made it so that a farmer couldn't do anything on his tractor. If it broke down and there was, he'd have to get John Deere to come out and charge him an arm and leg to hook it up to a computer and like... They made it so it was impossible for a farmer to work on his own tractor. Downsize your life as much as possible. Find other people to work with. Homeschool your kids for goodness' sake. I, I, I'm usually I put these little anecdotes in here, and I, I, um, I either do them or I don't in order to save time, so that I can try and keep my talks to an hour. But I've already resigned myself to going over an hour, so. What the heck, I want to say my wife and I homeschooled our kids long before it was cool. And it's not as daunting as you think. Now you say, well, both my wife and I have to work, we can't make it. Well, then change your life so that one of you can stay home. And I would suggest it be your wife that stays home. Find a way to do it. This is probably more important than anything else. Find a way to homeschool your kids. Eat beans and rice and rice and beans to homeschool your kids. Live in a shoebox to homeschool your kids. Move to a small town and and buy an abandoned house and fix it up to homeschool your kids. Do anything, anything to homeschool your kids. Do not send your kids to government schools. They have become pits of hell, the majority of them. Now, if you can find a school that is controlled by the parents in the area, uh, like a charter type school or private school, something like that, they're usually expensive and they don't need to be. If you work with other people and you homeschool with other people, now we didn't, we didn't have anybody, we had to do it all ourselves. And in the beginning, it was, it was very frustrating and it was, it, was, it was daunting. And It's because we tried to make our homeschool like a school and that's BS. It doesn't need to be. You don't need to grind your kids for six hours a day like they do in the school. They don't anyway. The kids just fart around mostly in school. If you put a solid two hours in in a day, and I'm not talking about two hours in a row, I'm talking about an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon of like hard work, like do your math problems, learn writing skills, something like that. The rest of the time, I'm not saying they can go play on the computer or Flip through their phone or whatever. I'm not saying they can do that. They have to do something so that that's when they work on their own projects, like build an ant farm or or work on carpentry or do crafts or something. Something productive, something that is going to improve their skill in something. If you did that two hours a day, your kids are better ready for life than any kid that comes out of a public school and it's not that hard. There's so much material now and you've got the computer and there's so many more people doing it now, like neighbors can get together and, and um, you know, pool their resources and pool their talents. And Oh, it's so much, it'd be so much better the public schools are, they're a hole in which you throw your children. So you don't have to think about them for six hours. They used to say they're just a babysitting service. They're not even a babysitting service anymore. You may as well go drop your kids off in a slum and they can at least learn survival skills. You may as well drop them off in the middle of the woods somewhere. Make them walk home. They'll learn more and probably be in less danger. The trick is, again, not to try and do too much and don't stress about what you're doing. Keep in mind that like something like homeschooling your kids. It's not that hard. If you even, even did, gave it a 20% shot, just 20% of your effort, you, they would come out better than they will in the, in the government schools. Keep moving forward. If you're the type of person who just sits on the couch, watching piped in entertainment, eating piped in food, this is going to be really hard in the beginning. So, you know what I'm gonna say. Get up off the couch. Shut off that boob tube. You're not gonna learn nothing looking at that. Go outside and get the stink blowed off you. Etc. Move. Try. Build. Grow. Believe. Okay, we're on to number three. Remember, the first one was passive change. Second one's active change. Third one is personal change. All right, this is probably where I'm going to start preaching somewhere in here. I know I got a Bible verse or two, so it probably will turn into preaching. Making an outward change is a matter of energy and willpower. Inward change is both easier and harder. Inward change requires humility and faith. The humility to recognize your own pride. That's the hard part. It's like, if you want to make change, the first thing you have to say is, I need changing. We're so proud in this day and age. We think we're all that. And the faith part? Well, it's the faith to lean on something. Actually, someone. Higher than yourself. So, yeah, humility and faith. Faith. Our Western countries right now need to repent And repent simply means to admit a mistake before God And change direction Some might call me flippant or blasphemous But in simple terms it means Oops, I'm sorry God We screwed up, I screwed up I'm going to do it different Can you help me with that? That is how we find a new direction on an old path. You've been trotting the trail that you're on, and you've been told how awful you are. You've been beaten down. You've confused. You're constantly told what a burden you are on the planet. Um, you've been told that your skin color is wrong. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. If you're black, you're told you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. You're a victim. If you're white, it's like, oh, you're an oppressor. You're a horrible person. Beat down, beat down, beat down. That's the way the world's been going for the last, what, 15 years now. And that's what they're teaching in the schools. You've been gaslit about your normal feelings and your desires, the normal things that come up in you. You want to have a family. You you want to have a mate. You want to have... you you. This this is normal inside of you, and yet you've been told somehow that's wrong. They tell the men, oh, you just want to own the woman. And they tell the women that, oh, you, you just think you, you don't need a man. You should be independent. Then you're made to feel useless. Because you don't fit up to some weird thing that they throw up on the screen in front of you, some smicks, cultural smicks that, oh, this is the perfect woman and this is the perfect man. And you feel like garbage because there's no way you can live up to that. Nobody can live up to that. Even the person that they throw up on the screen isn't living up to that. It's just a pipe dream. It's a construct of multiple ideas. It's not real god tells us how precious you are god tells everybody how precious they are you know he says that the hairs on your head are numbered he knows the number of your hairs that seems unbelievable but it's true he knows that you're wounded and torn and god wants to make you whole that's the thing it seems like the world wants to tear you apart and all god wants to do is make you whole and he'll tell you what whole person, what you should look like. He tells you the vision that he has for you. And that's the vision that the world has been be Oh, you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be a good husband and a good father. That's, no, this is what you should be. You should be like, you know, and how many cartoons of the idiot fathers. And the women always know everything, even though that puts a lot of pressure on women to know everything. Oh, some of them try but they're eaten up inside with doubt all the time. You're told by the system how meaningless everything is. Nothing means anything. It's all meaningless, meaningless. When God desires to show you the ultimate meaning of every mystery of life. Oh, I'm not trying to convince you to run out and join a church. Jesus had little use for the religion of his day. I'm not even saying that if you out, want to run out and join a church, this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that you got to get in your head that as an individual, if you want to make personal change, you got to face things like this. Religion is like people. Some are good, some are bad. Because they're made of people. Some are good, some are bad. Religion can't change your heart. But God can. To make an internal and eternal change, just admit you were wrong. Humbly ask God for direction and vow to walk that way every day as much as your ability will let you. Learn to have faith again. Learn to look up again. Learn to believe in the fact that there is a God and he does care because everything the world is telling you to not care and that there is no God and there is no point it's hard because we need to break generations and generations of prejudices and years of brainwashing but the decree is, is pretty simple I'm going to read two Bible verses to you I want you to pay attention to the wording of these Bible verses you got to remember the Bible is not one book it's multiple books and they were written, what is it, uh, about 4,000 years apart? The beginning to the end? Something like that. I might have that number, it might be out, but it's in the thousand anyway. The first one comes from the Old Testament, it's 2 Chronicles 7.14, and it was, <clears throat> it was written actually for the Hebrews. The, one of the multiple times that they fell away and started worshipping the ancient gods like Moloch and Baal, and God said to them, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Huh. Interesting. We some say, oh, well, that was just written to the Jews and that's a long time ago. And it was very specific to that time. Yeah, really? Well, there's another one that comes, that's Chronicles is pretty close to the beginning of the book, the series of books. The other one is, um, you want it more relevant, closer to the time. How about prophecy? How about something that hasn't happened quite yet or maybe is happening right now? But when it was written down, it was definitely prophecy because it was written down about 2,000 years ago. And as everybody knows, Revelation is prophecy of the end times. And in context, this in Revelation is talking about the um, Babylon, which is shown in the vision as a woman. And I believe that Babylon is the system, the system that I've just been talking about that we need to be parallel to, the system that we need to figure out a way to not be Caught up in it. And that verse goes like this. It's Revelation 18.4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Hmm. Interesting. It's talking about building a parallel society. Come out of her. Come out of Babylon. But the big one that I want you to pay attention to, notice in 2 Chronicles, people say, well, that's just for the Hebrews. My people who are called by my name. What does it say in Revelation? Come out of her, my people. Not written to the Hebrews, specifically. My people. My people. Those that... Follow God. Those that believe in God. Those that want God. Not just ancient Israelites. So yes, we've been talking about building a parallel society, building parallel things alongside, because the old one society has gone evil and corrupt. It has committed fornication with that harlot Babylon. Come out of her. lucifer's kingdom is what it is and it's their last stand those that have ears will hear those with vision will see what an adventure this could be not easy not always nice but clear a quest no more confusion about who you are you're a child of the living god You stand for what is righteous, and we win in the end. Oh, you'll stumble sometimes. You'll even doubt occasionally. But think of the possibilities. Even when you think you might fail, you'll know that you are covered by the sacrifice Christ made for you. You'll never feel unwanted or unloved again. So, keep an edge on your knife. Keep your matches dry because this life is a one-time adventure and you gotta learn to live it that way. So uh Via Condios, eh?